Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for being here for uh, joining us for the discipleship class. And today we are going to be studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 69, entitled The Rebellion, The Rebellion. And before we get started, I'm going to ask Elder Lee Carroll to pray for us. Dear Father, we, we thank you for your blessed word that we all interested in desire to study. We pray for your Holy Spirit's guidance and direction to lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So <clears throat> this chapter was kind of interesting to me because I am a history minor. And so um, I took a class in college dealing with uh, Black history. And of course, you know, there's some mention of, of the think the events that transpired in this chapter in American history books, but there's not a lot. And so when we read the Hour of the Spirit of Prophecy, it's almost like the curtain is rolled back and we get to see and hear about some things that we were not aware of as far as our our, our training in school or whatever. <clears throat> so um as we read, as we read this chapter, um, just 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 in a brief, just two words or whatever. Anybody, what was this chapter about? Uh, this was about the Civil War and the response of the church to the Civil War. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, did you take a look at when it, it's, this chapter starts off with saying, "See the appendix." Did anybody take a look at that? <clears throat> I read the appendix. I read okay. the appendix and I found the newspaper that they were discussing. In, in here oh, too. wow. Okay, well, tell us, just, just summarize what the appendix had to say, Lakita, for us. Okay, so um, her husband, what's her husband's name? Brother White. He had uh, wrote, wrote uh, an article in the Review of the Herald, and he was saying basically that we are not too well that they were opposed to the war and they were opposed to the war for a couple of reasons. That's the article, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the whole article, but they were opposed to the war for a couple of reasons because some people believe that the war, that um, after the war, then the bondmen and the freemen will live eternally happy or whatever together. But he says, according to um, a revelation, that's not true because there were gonna be bondmen and women, you know, at the come, second coming of Christ, so to speak. And then he says, um, there was a second reason that he said that we did not uh, do it also because it could go against the, um, the, the fourth and the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill is the sixth and the fourth is to uh, observe the Sabbath day and stuff. He said, however, we were not supposed to like become martyrs and just refuse to become a part of the, um, like commit suicide. For example, nobody asked you if you was gonna serve, but you decided to go up and tell people you're not gonna serve and bring problems on yourself. But eventually they were able to get, um, to get what is this uh, non-combatant status for everybody before it ever got to a place where they had a crisis. Okay, so go back a little bit further for me, just at the, in that, in that um, appendix where it's just talking about what was actually going on and and uh, the um, the sympathies of the non-combatants, and um, what were they doing before they were able to get non-combatant uh, status? What do you remember, Lakita? What was happening, or anybody? Um, <clears throat> I think were they, they were kind of three hundred. 
Go ahead. Were they paying the $300 for exemption for a substitute? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and their concern was either having to work on the Sabbath or being placed in combat. And so, uh, which, which, you know, they had conscientious, conscientious objections to bearing arms and, and killing other people uh, for religious reasons. And so, um, so, so there were districts that were supposed to replace so many soldiers uh, and when that uh, dwindled down, then they, they instituted the draft, so to speak, so that they would compel um, young men to enlist in the, in the military. So that's what they were up against. And they were trying to initially, as you mentioned, Jan, pay the exemption to keep them from even having to go. But once that was done away with, then they, they, they said, well, okay, maybe we can uh, 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 rally for them to be placed in um, um, hospitals or something like that so that they're not breaking the Sabbath if they're tending to the sick and, the, and, and, and people like that. So um, it was very interesting that, you know, God was still with them and Sister White, um, apparently she, she um, was, or spoke out against people speaking out against her husband in the article that he wrote, but she also said that Adventists should not enlist but that if they were drafted, that they should do, you know, they should not become martyrs because of that. So that was, that was pretty interesting to me. As I said, I'm a history minor, so that was pretty interesting. Okay, um, let's go back to the chapter. So <clears throat> this chapter, she starts out talking about this awful civil war and, um, she starts out talking about in the second paragraph that um, God was purifying and proving his people. And she says, you know, he will refine them as gold, meaning us as gold until the dross is consumed and his image is reflected in us. And you know, what's interesting about a lot of Ellen White's writings is that even though she wrote this back during the time of the civil war, these very same words apply to us now. God is purifying and proving his people now. Um, and, and he's, 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 you know, going to continue to refine us until all the dross is consumed and his image is reflected in us. And then, uh, she says, all have not that spirit of self-denial, that willingness to endure hardness and to suffer for the truth's sake, which God requires. Their wills are not subdued. They have not consecrated themselves wholly to God, seeking no greater pleasure than to do his will. Ministers and people lack spirituality and true godliness. Everything is to be shaken that can be shaken. What do you think about that? Everything that, everything is to be shaken that can be shaken. You think there's any shaking going on right now? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Tell me why you uh, say that. Well, I, when we, um, that's in, in a time period that we're in right now, although we don't have a civil war going on, we have a medical war going on and we do have um, a lot of, unrest in right here in the United States all around. We have the um, elements are in unrest. We have those fires over here. We have hurricanes over there. So yes, if everything, every type of trial uh, is being thrown out and hurled out, financial difficulties are being out there. People are losing their jobs or um, jobs are folding up on them in addition to their being sick or their loved one being sick. So it's a lot of, yes, anybody that can be shaken will be shaken. 
definitely a time of proving and uh, developing trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's a, hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. Uh, I think of the Civil War 2.0, though. I do. What do you mean? Meaning how the how racism is just how is how how everything is stirred up now, mm. and no one's not holding back anything how they feel. Mm. The presidency, you know, they don't care. Okay. Okay. All right. I have Anybody? a question. I have a question. Go ahead, Tori. I have a question. Uh, your question uh, was, you know, what was your question about the shaking? Do you think there's there's shaking going on now? Uh, from my studies, of course. Um, my question is before I even trying to expound on that is uh, who, who who's doing the shaking that's my question or how is it being done who's doing it and how is it being done anybody want to answer that <laughs> Lee I know you have a good answer for that yeah I'm not too talkative I got a toothache <laughs> oh you do oh I'm sorry okay uh well, we know that 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 God is the one, and that you know we know there's there's a separating time. The shaking and the and and, and the separating time are the same, and we know that um, there are there are those who are going to be shaken out of the church because they are nominal Christians. But then there are those who are on the outside, the sheep that he has of other fo- of other pastors that he's going to bring in, and so the shaking is going to produce both. It's going to produce the exit of some but the entrance of others into the church, the ones that are serious about uh, their, their salvation. Uh, we read in an earlier chapter about two crowns and those that were seeking for an earthly crown and those that were seeking for a heavenly crown and how there were people that came from the rear that, that um, passed by the people that were seeking an earthly crown to, to, to grasp for that heavenly crown. And so, and sometimes we call those the, what is it, the 11th hour Christians that are going to be coming in at the 11th hour. But God is the one during the shaking to answer your question, Tori. And what was this? Did you say who was going to be shaken? Was that, I think I answered that also. No, no the, the question, the second part of the question is, uh, the first one was who was going to be shaken, which I agree with you. The second part of the question is, is, how would that take place? How would this shaking be taking place? If God is doing it, then how is God going to do it? Or, or what have we discovered in our studies uh, from the Holy Spirit giving us the revelation of what's going to take place? Well, I think, Tori, uh, part of it is that, you know, the Bible tells us all throughout the Bible to watch and pray, watch and pray watch and pray. Um, for, uh, and one of the scriptures says, so that we will escape those things that are coming upon the earth and be accounted worthy to stand in his presence. And so right now, if you look at it and you say, okay, right now, God is separating the sheep from the goats. Those who are the nominal Christians from those who are the true Christians, those who are seeking after an earthly crown versus those who are seeking after a heavenly crown. And so the, the shaking is simply, okay, 
when the rubber meets the road, like like times like this, when we're all we're in a pandemic and we're we're at home, are you are you getting closer to the Lord right now, or are you doing your same old thing? Just you can't do it outside of your home. So you're neglecting study, you're neglecting prayer, you're you're neglecting those things that will draw you closer to the Lord right now, and 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 I think as Christians, um, we should understand the urgency and lateness of the hour. I mean, we have. We have Daniel's image or the image in, in, in the book of Daniel uh, of, of, of the Nebuchadnezzar statute. And we know that we are living in the toes and we know that we are living in the last days. And so the question becomes for each one of us, are you making your calling and election sure right now through this period or are you you know, falling off and, and you're not doing anything to get closer to the Lord, because I think the shaking merely is really going to be the choices that we make. And are we trying okay. to get closer to the Lord or are we not yeah. trying to get closer to the Lord? Okay. Let me, let me interject. Okay, and I, agree. I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to take 60 seconds to do this. When we look at the shaking, I don't know about you guys, but from my studies, the shaking, it's for all people on earth, true. But the the shaking is really for the so-called Christians. See, a real Christian cannot be shaken because of the Holy Spirit. So the shaking is truly is going to weed out those who pretend to be uh, Christians because they are among us. And when the angel starts sealing God's true people, even though they are get uh, the, the chance to repent and see uh, what God is trying to do with their life, the shaking itself, it is God's word, the truth. The truth is what's going to shake people up or shake people out. When we look at what the Bible says, the Bible says for us, and it's a warning for the Christians, it says, don't be blown to and fro with all winds of all kinds of doctrines. So what, when we review the Bible and we look at prophecy and we, 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 and we teach a lot of things traditionally in our church. The revelation that God has given me, of course, uh, according to what the truth is, uh, is that God is going to do a work. The message is within his work. And like you said, Karen, then there's going to be a decision have to be made after that. And then God will do the last and final work. And we know that it's the final judgment. And I'm just going to leave it right there for now. That's my 60 seconds. Yeah, I got it. Okay. All right. Uh, good question, Tori. Good question. Um, okay. So as we, as we look into this chapter about the rebellion, we see that it is about the civil war. And that um, apparently, uh, let's see, in paragraph um, 356.1, she's talking about how the attention was called to Sabbath keepers. Um, and that as a result of that, uh, many thought that Sabbath keepers 
were sympathizing with the rebellion, meaning they Sabbath keepers agreed with the South. Um, but she said that the time had come for uh, the true sentiments of the church to be made known and that um, there was a need of moving with the wisdom to turn away the suspicions excited against Sabbath keepers. And I, I think the reason for that was that uh, the Sabbath keepers were not um, joining the Union Army. And so they thought, oh, well, they must be in sympathy with the South because they're not fighting against the South. But that was not the reason at all. And um, there, it, it was because of conscience and because Sabbath keepers did not in any way believe in slavery that they were not joining with the North. And also, or, well, it may be a little bit further down, um, Karen, too, was that she talks about the people who were leading the army, the North army, that they were, you know, like, um, I'm going to say it this way. She doesn't say it this way, but they weren't God-fearing men and they were like, didn't view or value human life. But in his article, his article stated some reasons. Uh, one that you just said, because of the Ten Commandments, that they would be obliged to break those commandments. And then the second reason, the first reason he said was that there was a theory behind this uh, in terms of um, like a doctrinal theory that everybody's going to live happy together and that there will never be any more slavery on earth. And they rejected that because of, of the verse in Revelation. I forgot what verse it is. It talks about, you know, bond woman and bond man at the end of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, and then she starts talking about um, the fanaticism of, of, of some of the people and they, they mistook zeal and fanaticism for conscientiousness and that many of them said, oh, well, we're ready to die for this cause. And she <laughs> said that instead of, 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 of um, making their petitions to God and trusting in his power, they were trusting in their own reasoning and they petitioned the legislature instead for, um, I guess, the, the, to gain exemption back um, for Sabbath keepers. And instead, she said they showed their weakness and exposed their lack of faith when they did this. And all this just only served to bring peculiar, the, the Sabbath keepers to light and to special notice and expose them um, to be crowded into difficult places by those who did not have sympathy with, with the Sabbath keepers. So her whole thing was, you know, they should have put their faith and trust in God and petitioned God instead of the legislature, which turned them down anyway. So, and then there was some um, some people were moving outside the states, you know. Um, and I, in his article, he called them cowards, and he says the same thing in his article that they did not trust God, but they were moving outside the states to uh, get away from the draft and not have to respond to the situation at all. I right. think it's important to realize that there's nothing wrong with petitioning the legislature. That wasn't the point. It was that their trust should be in God first. So when we are called to task, our trust should be in God first, then make, make use of the legislature or whatever we can to uh, allow God's will to be done. So nothing wrong with petitioning the legislature to have laws uh, made or whatever, or for equal protection under the law, but God should always be recognized as our source and then use the resources that he allows to uh, accomplish change when you first had mentioned about the 
people who said, oh, we ready to die for, for the cause and we ain't going to do it and nobody's going to, you know, it's a saying in boxing. It says everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of how right. they were all spe- all talking trash, so to speak, right. until they actually got into the middle of it and realized, wow, this is a lot tougher than I thought. So we right. have to be careful, recognize that only God is going to protect us. Right. And she says of those people, she said that that they would they would if they were cast in the, into that position and saying, well, I'm just going to resist the draft. And then they were hunted down and they were um, faced imprisonment, torture or death, that they would quickly not be ready to endure that trial of their faith. And so they were just very vocal and very talkative about stuff when they would not have stood the test had it come upon them. But then she talks about in the next in the next paragraph, those who would be able to endure that test. What does she say about those? That's in paragraph 357.2. Anybody? Um, that they would go, it, it sounds like that they would act judiciously. They, they would not run off saying a bunch of stuff. They'll be slow to answer questions and um, Right. And silent unless they were actually asked a direct question and then they would answer only what they were asked. Mm-hmm. You and know, then, because they also, were weighing the matter, as you said, judiciously. And praying and asking heaven yeah, for wisdom to act and grace to endure. Yeah. And, and, and that's something. Different. Go ahead. Go ahead Lee. No, go ahead, Lee. The big difference between those two groups was one group depended on themselves. The other group depended on God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the Bible tells us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And it sounds like the first group was not wise at all. They were boastful, but not ready to, not ready to put their money where their mouth was, so to speak. And the second group were not boastful, but had it come down to it, they would have put their money where their mouth was. Um, and then she talks about how heaven looks uh, at slavery. What does she say about heaven's view of slavery, God's view of slavery? Um, Anybody remember? Well, she said that it was a, um, it's a terrible sin is what it is. And that God Mm -hmm. is not pleased with it at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that each one of us is a free moral agent, regardless of color. Mm-hmm. Right. And that God and that God is our master, not a man. Right. And what responsibility is going to weigh on the slave masters who took the role of God in the life of their slaves? What does she say about that? Their their sins and their vices will be placed upon the uh, the slave masters. They're going to be held accountable, and they are going to um, pay the penalty of death for their sins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And she says that God alone is our master and Mm -hmm. that um, those who have dared to chain down the body and the soul of the slave to keep him in degradation, like the brutes, will have their retribution and the wrath of God has slumbered, but it will awake and be poured out without mixture or mercy. And that's one of the things I noticed was uh, where it says it's talking about God made all each of us, regardless of color free moral agents to make a decision and to choose who will serve. 
and says the institution of slavery does away with this and permits man to exercise over his fellow man a power which God never granted him and which belongs alone to God. And that's uh, very similar to the Roman Catholic Church forgiving sins. That's not a power that God gave to every, any man. Man can go directly to Christ and that system does away with this. And again, that only belongs to God, the Absolutely. power to forgive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Were you going to say something, Tori? No, I, I, actually, that's the Holy Spirit, because that was the exactly point that I was uh, was going to bring out. And uh, Father Carl did a, a beautiful job from the Holy okay. Spirit. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, the same identity. Amen. Okay. Uh, uh, going down to paragraph um, 359.2, she talks about God's view of the North. And, and, and she says in this, she said, God is punishing the North um, that they have so long suffered the accursed sin of slavery to exist for in the sight of heaven, it is a sin of the darkest dye. God is not with the South and he will punish them dreadfully in the end. Satan is the instigator of all rebellion. And so, you know, if you remember from history, I mean, there was dreadful misery and death and woe during the, during the Civil War on both sides. And, and, and there were a lot of, 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 of men that were lost as a result of the Civil War. And, and so we see here that, that God was punishing the North, but also he was going to punish the South. And so, and the North because of their failure to act and the South because of the actions that they had done. And so, you know, what does that say to us during this, during this time when we see oppression? Do we have a duty to act? Yeah, yes, we do have a duty to act. It's like, um, it's just like when you are called a mandated reporter, we're all mandated reporters. When we see a child or someone getting beat or uh, victimized, it's not, it's not okay with God that we walk past. And I think that's what the um, Good Samaritan is all about, is that it's not okay to walk past and see people being brutalized and you do nothing about it. it essentially, it's saying it's okay to do that. One of the things you had mentioned, Satan is the instigator of all rebellion. We have to remember that no matter who's at war, who's fighting, who's rebelling, it all comes from the devil. It's his plan to prevent us from keeping our eyes on God and to focus on harming and killing and murdering each other because that's another way to take the image of God out of man. What were you going to say, Jan? I was just going to ask, I've been thinking about that uh, what you just asked since the whole George Floyd situation in the past few months, oh, how can we act? Because I haven't been out there with, you know, my picket sign and blocking the highway. I've seen other people do it. I've had coworkers go do it, but mm -hmm. how can we act? How can we participate? Anybody want to answer that? Any suggestions on that? Well, when we look at the scriptures, and we related um, to our experience and what we see what God, uh, Jesus Christ himself did. 
the example is there. Uh, but when you talk about detail, what should we do? How can I do? And when should I do? That's something that has, you have to be impressed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of people uh, go before God, even though their heart's in the right uh, place and, and they're doing things, you know, to further, you know, the exaltation of God's name. But if God don't lead you, then who is leading you? And if God is not going to guide you, then who is guiding you? The Bible tells us that, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us, not in just our truth, uh, but when you look at its purpose and its role in your own personal life, if you are concerned and it's something disturb you, the Bible says that for you to ask God, and you wait on the revelation. And I would just say, you know, if your spirit is disturbed, you know, you pray and ask God. That's the first thing that any Christian should do anyway. And you wait on God until God give the answer. But in the midst of the waiting, God will be showing you things, uh, ideals that from other people. Or you may see something on the news and get an ideal. Or you may even read a book uh, about some things of our history, and or, or God would bring something in remembrance. Even when you look at um, what was going on in Egypt in the Bible, and God will give you truly uh, the way, because he says if you acknowledge him, that he will direct your path and show you which path to take. Because uh, one thing about the Lord he want his children to be successful, but also his children should want him to be glorified. That's my answer. Uh, and I think that's a great answer, Tori. Um, I think that everything should be preceded with prayer and guidance from the Lord, because, you know, we are in a pandemic and we are facing some, some very perilous times. And so I think that that's the best answer, Jan, that, that, that we could give is seek guidance from the Lord as to when, where, and how to participate, you know? Another thing to remember too, is we don't all have to do the same thing. It is nice that some people are marching or protesting or holding signs or whatever, but there are a lot of people who are speaking up and speaking out online as well, or who are speaking out and speaking up to their neighbors or their coworkers. So we don't all have to be out on the highway to be effective in spreading the truth of equality and justice for all people. We don't all have to do the same thing. There's thousands of ways that you can be part of the movement for equality. Right. And I, I think, I think too, that if you see it happening uh, in your own workplace or somewhere that you are, um, that may be the opportunity for you to speak against it. You know, it may not be that, that as Lee was saying, that you have to be out there with a whole group of people. But when you see it happening in front of your face, that may be your opportunity and your time to say something or, or act. Uh, one thing too is just remember your own personal example. People see you, people hear you, people are around you and they get an idea of uh, who you are and what you stand for by that. Uh, just yesterday, I was over at the lumber yard picking up some lumber and uh there was a guy there white guy was there and 
And, you know, I could tell he didn't really care for me <laughs> very much. You know, he's kind of a country guy. So I didn't care. You know, I just, I am who I am. And I was friendly and I spoke to him and chatted with him. And uh, afterward, he was very friendly, you know, and that was a personal example that black people are friendly and kind too, that we're not all out fighting the police and robbing stores and looting and stuff, that we're just human beings that we want the same things that everybody else wants out of life. So remember your greatest example is your own personal example. Right. And I think sometimes too, Jan, maybe your role or maybe uh, a role is just to pray for those that are out there on the front lines and pray for them to be peaceable demonstrations. Because one of the things that uh, Andre was mentioning to me the other day is that you don't see the protests out there, but they're still going on. But the reason we don't see them so much anymore is because they're not, they're peaceful. And so the news is only going to be out there if there everything is all over the place and everything is going crazy. Then the news is going to be out there. But but the peaceful demonstrations are not really news. And so, but I think that 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 we can all be prayer warriors and we can all pray about the things that are going on and pray for the safety of those that are out there. You know, we saw one video where the police knocked the elderly gentleman down and left him bleeding bleeding from the head on the ground. You know. Those are things that, you know, we can pray that those kind of encounters are peaceable rather than, you know, someone getting injured as a result of that. Yes. But Karen, you said something very important. No one hears about it because it is peaceable. So are we really accomplishing anything? Now that's just a question. It's a rhetorical question. I know no one wants to say that, you know, we're all for violence, but uh, I don't know any protests that are not um, violent. Now, Martin Luther King led what he called a peaceful protest, but the policemen were violent. They sprayed them with water hose. They sprayed, they put the dogs on them. They blew up the kids in the uh, church. So it's inevitable that you're going to have people stand up and say, wait a minute, we're not taking this. Somebody somewhere is going to do something that's not peaceable. And when it is peaceable, you don't hear about it. No one knows about it. And it's easy to overlook it. Just a thought. Nobody has to reply. It's just a thought. Well, the only thing I think about, Lakita, is the Bible says, as far as possible, do what? Agree with your brother. Live peaceably with all people. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as okay. you said, there may, be, there may be times when it's not possible to live peaceably and that you do have to go the next step, you know, to, 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 to you do get bring about brick. change. Huh? You do got to get that brick sometimes. <laughs> 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 Thank you I for did, that. You know, the Bible says that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So our job as Christians is to raise the moral consciences of men by living an, an example of a righteous life. Don't render evil for evil. Now, you will come against opposition by living a holy life. Those that choose to live godly will suffer persecution. They're going to hate us because of righteousness sake. But God said, blessed are those that are persecuted for that. And so we stand for the right, even though the heavens fall. And that's our job. Wherever we are on our jobs and our communities, we discuss what uh, human rights are and, what, and how God loves every person. And so we brighten the corner one person at a time. As it was said earlier, the Holy Spirit will give you 
give you the words to say, season it with love. And uh, that will prick the conscience of, consciousness of men. Of some men. Right, right, right. Okay. Who was uh, that who just spoke? Paul Harris or Lakita? Okay, I was making sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then in the next few paragraphs, she talks about. Oh, Karen, before you, before you go there, okay. you know, we, we have to remember too that even during the early uh, history of the Christian church, the disciples were friendly and loving and trying to be kind. However, the opposition was not, and they were killing Christians like it was going out of style because power concedes nothing without a struggle. If you're in power, you're not just going to let the opposition come and take your power from you. So there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some rebellion. There's going to be some dispute. Any great changes in, the, in this world have taken place under conflict because nobody's just going to give you what they've worked hard for. We don't want to be the ones to uh, instigate violence, but protesting does not mean that you have to be violent. You can still protest without uh, being the first one to draw the sword as Peter did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, didn't we see this week some ball players walk off the walk off the field or walk out of the game? Yeah. And that yeah, was we, that was that was their method of protesting what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the next few paragraphs, she talks specifically about one particular brother A, who she said that his his uh, political principles, I guess, and aspirations had completely destroyed his judgment and love for the truth. And she just talks about how he just was taking a wrong course. Satan was stirring him up, and that um, he just he just um, it says would not let Satan would not, he would not let you rest until you should express your sentiments upon the side of the powers of darkness, thus strengthening the hands of the wicked and the curse. Which one? Left. And then um, she goes on down in paragraph um, 360.1. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. In paragraph 360.2. She said, I was shown that as a people, we cannot be too careful what influence we exert. We should watch every word. When we by word or act place ourselves on the enemy's battleground, we drive holy angels from us and encourage and attract evil angels in crowds around us. What do you think about that statement? Anybody. One thing I was looking at 359.2 before you move forward, where okay. it says your views of slavery can't harmonize with the sacred truths for this time. You must yield your views talking about on slavery or the truth. Both cannot be cherished in the same heart for they are at war with each other. However, throughout history, people have constantly defended slavery with Bible scripture, trying to claim that no, God intended for this group of people to be slaves but here the servant of the Lord, the prophet of the Lord is saying, you cannot cherish those type views along with uh, spiritual views. They are at war right. with each other. Right. So they Claiming cannot be in cohort with each other. So right. people saying that saying that uh, man has a right to slaves or that man has a right to enslave people or that this group of people was born for slavery, that's not true. That's totally out of harmony with the gospel. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, why we couldn't, why they were like, well, black folks need to own some slaves too. We need to own some white folks. 
Why, if that were the case, why well, only whole, one race was able to own people? The whole premise of it was wrong. And so, I know it was. I understand. I'm just making a point. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole premise was wrong. And God, God said, we saw earlier that he did not intend for uh, man to own another human being as, as, as an animal. But um, so my question was about the paragraph 360.2 at the top of that paragraph where she says that when we by word or act placed ourselves upon the enemy's battleground, we drive holy angels from us and encourage and attract evil angels and crowds around us. You all ever hear this, this, the, the oh. statements that, oh, well, if you go into a club, the holy angels won't go in with you. <laughs> and so, it depends on why you going in there. <laughs> yeah, well, and so hey, before so, you before you then, then, hey, before you do, read that again, please. Okay, it says that I was shown that as a people we cannot be too careful what influence we exert. We should watch every word when we, by word or act, place ourselves upon the enemy's battleground. We drive holy angels from us and encourage and attract evil angels in crowds around us. Okay, so, okay. What is she talking about right there? I mean, I, I, I know, but I want to, what is she really saying in that statement? She's, well, first of all, she's addressing this particular uh, gentleman, Brother A, and how by right. his influence, he is, he is on Satan's ground and, and I guess apparently he was a proponent of the cause of slavery and saying that, you know, men should be able to own slaves and that's their property and they should be able to do what they want with their property. And um, so his in, the influence that he was exerting was on the side of Satan. And she's saying that we should, by every word and act, um, watch the influence that we exert so that um, it is basically on the side of good because when we exert it on the side of evil, then holy angels are pulled back away from us and evil angels crowd around us. Mm. Amen. I, I don't have to elaborate on that. You explain that beautifully, which, um, okay. you know, when we look at the Bible, when we do look at the Bible, you know, every message and every thought and every scenario that we even discussing now from the book and from all of these paragraphs, mm-hmm. For me, this is what I get sometimes out of those. God has given his His people every opportunity to be warned about being led by his spirit. And when we act on our own inclinations about anything in life, you know, without God's leading, you're giving the opportunity to Satan to snatch you if you're not careful. When your heart and your mind well, they the same thing spiritually, is in the wrong place. And the motive become anything uh, other than something that will please God. That is a dangerous place to be. And I'm going to leave that right there. And it's funny that you say that, Tori, because she's talking about, uh, in the next few paragraphs, she talks about how it's our duty in every case to obey the laws of our land unless they conflict with the higher law, which God spoke with an audible voice from Sinai and afterward engraved on 
on stone with his own finger. But then she goes down and she starts talking about some of the sentiments of even the, the, the generals in the Northern Army. And she talks about mm-hmm. how a lot of battles were lost and a lot of lives were lost because these men were um, seeking their own glory. And some of the generals mm-hmm. would not even come to the aid of their own uh, 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 northern uh, uh, other generals or officers because they felt like that officer would get the glory for the battle. And so countless soldiers were lost because the North was not helping its fellow officers and, 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 and soldiers. Mm. And that because they, they were looking for their own glory and they were even sometimes glad that that those battalions fell to the southern army and this rather than help right. them. And this statement I thought was pretty significant. She did some really strong writing in she this did. passage. Mm-hmm. In positions of trust in the northern army, there are men who are rebels at heart, who value the life of a soldier no more than they would the life of a dog. She also talks about where... Um, messages came to the northern army telling them exactly where the uh, southern army was going and etc but they refused to hear the message because it was brought by a black man absolutely so so instead they lost many like as you said many skirmishes and uh, absolutely you know what's interesting about that is that you know the slaves had a way of communicating miles away without even having to be there you know, they communicated through the drums. And so they could, one could, one that was miles away could communicate to somebody who could communicate to somebody else through the drums and get the word. And then the person closest to the, to the, to the battle front could, could take that message to the fighting army. But what did they do? Like you said, they disregarded it. They disregarded it. And so they were unprepared when the battle came upon them and lives were lost. And so, you, th- you know, it, you think about it, and that's really kind of crazy because the Northern Army was the one fighting against slavery, but yet they would not take the word of someone who knew what was getting ready to happen because they were Black. Well, they were fighting to keep the Union together, not necessarily to abolish slavery. Yep. Uh-huh. A lot of the Northern people wanted slaves. Absolutely. Not a lot of Northerners had slaves too. Right. Uh, one thing you, you had this mentioned. mixed multitude, like like yeah. when, the, when the children of Israel left Egypt, there was a mixed multitude. One Go of the things it said is worldly men are governed by worldly principles. So those army generals, they weren't thinking in terms of spiritual principles. They were thinking in terms of earthly and worldly temporary glory. I like to read about Western history. And many of the time, those generals <coughs> ended up defeated because of their ego got in the way of common sense and got in the way of military planning. Uh, a lot of times we hear about the Battle of Little Bighorn with Custer, General Custer. Custer got killed because of his arrogance. They told him that there was a lot of uh, Native Americans over there and he just knew, oh, we can beat them. We ain't scared of them. And mm-hmm. uh, when they finally went over that hill and saw him, they, they looked up and they said, wow, that's a lot of Indians over here. But it was too late because mm-hmm. his ego had now gotten him trapped and they ended up dying in a big massacre. Many of the government's uh, generals have streets named after them. They have army bases named after them. 
They have avenues and statues named after them. And all of them were just foolish and egotistical and refused to listen, very hard-headed. And if you read about their history, you'd want to take those monuments down because those people were just foolish and foolhardy and didn't want to listen. Well, a lot of those monuments worldly, are coming that down. That was right the worldly uh, principle that they were following. That was a worldly principle, and that's what they wanted was worldly glory, and it cost them and a bunch of other people their lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, she also talks about, um, further down, she talks about, um, well, I mentioned the fact that they weren't taking wor the word of mouth of what was getting ready to happen because a lot of times it was coming from Black individuals, but who were they listening to? She uh, talks about southerners. Spirit. Spirits. There you go, Jay. Spirits. Spirits of dead, dead uh, army men that were coming to them, so to speak, and telling them, uh, uh, giving them battle strategies and telling them what was going to happen. And, and that sometimes it happened, but when it didn't, the spirits would convince them, oh, well, it was some other reason why it didn't happen. And so these men were... And I, I'm assuming she's talking about the Northern Army. And uh, yeah, these yeah, Northern Army. Yeah, these men were, were, were not trusting in God. And so you have all of this craziness going on. You got, this, you got the sympathizers for the Southern cause. You know, you got them not listening to, to real facts, real warnings, <laughs> I'll put it like that. Then you got them listening to spirits. And it just sounds like a mess. Well, it I think it's like in... Uh... I think it's in uh, Cosmic Conflict. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the books in that series where she talks about the armies, the battles that went on, that many of the Northern battles were won by angels, by holy mm -hmm. angels winning the right. war because the Northern people wouldn't listen like we we're just talking about. Right. They were going off on their own tangent and the right. Lord actually had to intervene so that the North would win different battles. Right, absolutely. Uh, and I remember reading that too, Lee. And that's the wonderful thing is that <laughs> God doesn't leave us out there when, when, it, when it's his purpose uh, and, he, and his intention that, that to stop certain evil from progressing, he took the upper hand and he, he, took, it, he took it on. And because we're seeing from this chapter um, that they, they were just ill-equipped to deal with the whole situation. And, One thing um, that's funny is it was called the Union Army, but there was no union among the troops. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I hope God uh, take the lead in this election, take it on this election. Uh, okay, so I was going to say this too. It's, it says their influence has helped place in authority men to whose principles they were opposed that you know, some that people have voted, voted in people who um, they knew they didn't agree with what they what they were saying. So hopefully, yes, some people will wake up and and we'll have a different outcome this time. Right, but you know what? Now, what about what about the 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 Bible is saying that God sets up kings and takes them down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does that how does that fit into all of this? I mean, even if you look at the generals that were in in uh, in the, and the officers in the Northern Army, and and you say, okay, well, nobody rises to power unless God places them there. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I believe that. 
I believe, I mean, just like as you see in this war, in this army, it was just time for that slavery thing to be up. I mean, God was tired of it. He was sick of it, you know, and um, so it was just time for it to be up. And also, I think he, just like the war in heaven, you know, he could have snuffed that off if he wanted to, but he allowed everybody, everybody get a chance to see what they're made of in this situation. Am I going to fall down to stuff that I know is wrong? Or am I going to try to stand up and do what, what is right? And not only save my neck, but try to save somebody else's as well. I think that's so, the whole point. So tell me this. If we're talking about God setting up kings and people in, in, in high positions and taking them down, how does that, how, I mean, we're facing, we're coming up in November, another election. Um, we saw the history of 45 over these past four years, <laughs> but we, but we also know because the Bible tells us that God put him there. Uh -huh. So then how do you reconcile God putting him there with his actions or can you? Well, well we one of the things you don't want to do, one of the things you don't want to do is think, well, God already appointed these people, so I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to have a say so I'm not going to do anything but sit at home because God knows the future and his plans does not uh, abdicate us from using our free will and the Holy Spirit's influence that he gets us so don't think that just because God knows the future and that he has things planned according to his will that we should just sit by and not do anything we're still called to stand for right even though we may just be a witness <coughs> excuse me not to not to diminish being a witness, but even though our part in it is just a witness for what is right, we still have to do that as Christians. And Karen, the, <coughs> the time of trouble is definitely going to come. <coughs> and I think sometimes as church members and as um, uh, believers in, in Christ, you know, we don't see how things can unfold. The, uh, Sister White tells us that, that the last um, actions are going to be swift. The last things are going to be quick. And we're seeing how this man can just change laws and, and how he can just um, change things and, and, and legislation at his will. You know, how really vulnerable we are in this country. And if we are not paying attention and if we are not looking, we are going to be called unawares. So this here is to me a foretaste. It says, uh, the Bible says, when you see these things happen, this is a little time of trouble. <laughs> pestilences, earthquakes, you know, wars and rumors of war. This is just Fire. a small time of, of trouble. And so we have to be, in that sense, God is giving us a warning. Wake up, people, because it's coming down the pipe, whether you believe it or if you don't believe it, wake up. I think it's in the, I think it's in the book of Ezekiel where um, it says, God says, I'm going to call my servant Cyrus. Cyrus was the Persian king, and he told the Israelites, I'm going to call my servant Cyrus to put y'all in bondage for 70 years, but he's going to be a friend to you as a nation, because he then allowed the people to go back to Jerusalem and worship the same with Nebuchadnezzar. He was God's servant. He did what God asked him to do for that appointed time. So God does call people that we might not agree with or that we don't understand, but he has a purpose and a plan for everybody that he allows to be a leader. Uh, somebody else was trying to speak. Yeah, I was saying that uh, I'm glad Lakita said it's time for us to wake up 
last week we were talking about the close of probation and we were uh, talking about the different ways probation closes on people when you die and when God comes back Michael stands up says he that is holy let him be holy still he that is filthy let him be filthy still but we know a seven day Adventist according to Daniel 18 until 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed our special message to the world is ever since 1840 which was the end of the 2300 day prophecy God has started the investigative judgment. And so as Seventh-day Adventists, the Bible says that judgment starts at the house of God. So we need to wake up because probation can close for us. We can see people going around our, our daily duties and not even realize that your name has come up on the judgment. So we have to live each day, we have to live as though we are in the judgment. And not trying to look at the sign and say, well, I'm going to time it like I'm timing the market to see what I'm going to get in and be holy. But that time is too late. It's too late for, for the saints of God. So there's the, and I'm going to tie in that to your question. There's the direct will and there's the permissive will of God. You know, we are to do as, as citizens, as Christians, do what we can to raise the moral consciences and vote accordingly and, and be advocates for righteousness and let the chips fall where they may. We should not try to rush the time of trouble. We need to do what we can to, to warn others of the uh, impending end of this world. But God ultimately has it all in control. We do what we can as Christians, the responsibility to spread the light of truth while we have time. And I definitely agree with what both of you all have said. And I think that it is our duty to vote conscientiously based on who we believe um, would be the best person for the office. Um, and so um, I think that, that this pandemic will probably hamper a lot of people from coming out or going out to vote. Uh, but we may have to think about uh, people who uh, are, are sending in mail-in ballots or whatever and, 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 and seeing you know how we can assist in getting those ballots directly to the, to the, to the polls rather than the mail because we, we're hearing suspicious mm -hmm. things about yep. the mail right now. So mm -hmm. um, you know we certainly don't want we certainly want to do our part. I'll put it like that. We want to definitely vote. And then if there's anyone in our circle of people that we know that needs assistance getting their ballot directly to the polls, I think that's something that we need to think about. Okay. And Karen. Yes. Karen. Yes. Who, who are you voting for? That's my own personal decision. I don't need to reveal that. Okay. Hey, I think everybody. Karen. Yes. Okay. So also I want this to be um, us to think about this. The time of trouble is coming. Probation is going to close. And we're going to have to deal with uh, going into the wilderness, whatever that may look like. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But um so there have to be people in place that's going to do that. You know, just like Judas, he, I mean, it was definitely the wrong decision for him to make. Definitely mm -hmm. not a smart thing to do at all, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it had to be done. Somebody was gonna do it. Well, the, we know that the wheat and the tear grow together. So we know that, there, that, that, that that mixture is gonna exist until God separates the sheep from the goats. And that mixture is going to exist. And we know that 
that during the time of trouble, uh, there's going to be even family members telling on other family members. Mm-hmm. So we what know paragraph that paragraph are you at, Karen? Um, right now, I'm getting ready to um, read paragraph 363.4. Okay. Where she says, everything is preparing for the great day of God. Time will last a little longer until the inhabitants of the earth have filled up the cup of their iniquity. And then the wrath of God, which has so long slumbered, will awake. And the land of light will drink the cup of his unmingled wrath. The desolating power of God is upon the earth to rend and destroy. The inhabitants of the earth are appointed to the sword, to famine, and to pestilence. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that again she wrote back in you know time of the Civil War, but we're living some of this now. We're living in this pandemic, and you know, um, we don't we 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 know from from scripture that this is just the beginning of sorrows. And people keep saying, oh, things are gonna get better. They're gonna get back to normal. Uh -huh. They're going to, uh, you know, we're gonna be, and, and people are trying to ignore the warning signs and ignore the social distancing. Um, I watched uh, a little bit of the uh, Republican National Convention uh, uh -huh. when Trump was speaking and there were 3,000, I think they said about three, maybe 5,000, but at least 3,000 people out there on the lawn, no social distancing, no masks. And they termed it a super spreader because you know these people were not heeding the warnings and they were taking their cue from 45 and saying, well, you know, he's saying that everything's gonna be all right and you know we don't have to worry about it. And then the other thing that was said was that well, everybody's going to eventually get it. So there's no point in taking any precautions. Mm. And we know that that's not true either. Everybody's mm -hmm. not going to get it because Psalms 91 says, he that dwells Hello. in the secret place of the most high. Shall abide. Shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So we know that, that everybody's not going to get it. You know, and, and it and, says and, a thousand should fall at that side. 10,000 at the right hand. And only with the eye. So you right. see the rewards of some of the wicked, something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. And so we know that that was a false statement. We know that the things that they were doing were, were uh, I guess I'm just going to say mocking, mocking the, the medical authorities, um, fighting people, mock, huh? punching people, punching people, fighting well, people in the supermarket. Oh, well, yeah, that was probably um, a part, but, but I was just talking about the gathering on the White House lawn uh, to hear President Trump speak. And um, so we know that, that, you know, things are gonna happen and there's gonna be people that are scoffers. That's what the word I was trying to uh, think of, scoffers who think, well, you know what? Even even during the in the midst of a pandemic, we don't have to obey because we don't believe it. We don't believe it's going to get us, or we don't believe that it's it's real, or you know what I'm saying. All of the stuff that they don't believe. Well, that's fine, but that you don't believe it, but that doesn't mean that North is not still in that direction. You know what okay. I'm saying? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. that you don't believe it. The fact is, North is still there where North is. You know. And so I think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, we are seeing 
prophecy starting to unfold in front of our very eyes. And we as Seventh-day Adventists who are quote unquote scholars of Bible prophecy, <coughs> you know, we see these things and, and, and all we can do is say, okay, uh, make our own calling and election sure and try to make you know, uh, other people heed, you know, the warnings, you know, right now it's, it's, it's put on a mask and keep us, keep your social distance, you know, and wash your hands often. Well, you know, um, Herman Cain, who was the owner of Godfathers, he was a black man who went to that super spreader in uh, Oklahoma city and he's dead now because he didn't believe, you know? I didn't and know so, he yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. He died. And so, you know, there's a lot of scoffers that things are going to be happening to because God is pouring out his wrath right upon this earth now. And the angels are, that are holding the four winds are mm -hmm. going to be letting go. And we know that we haven't even like, like, you know, this is the beginning of the sorrows. Mm -hmm. So we have to take heed. Uh, okay, we talked about that. <laughs> And then she talks about down in paragraph 364.3, uh, instead of the, these, these leading men of war trusting in God, um, how they, and God is the only one who, who could deliver them from their enemies, the majority, like she said, inquired of devils and trusted in them. Uh, we talked about that a little bit, how, how they were consulting spirits and taking their advice from spirits. Um, and she talked about some, she talked about some of the men in the Northern Army down in paragraph um, 365.2, how some of them um, were, um, they had the right feelings, they had the right emotions and independence of spirit, but they had not been accustomed to, so I'm just going to say some of the rabble that they encountered in the, in the, in the Army. And uh, they were not accustomed to being brutalized and treated like animals. Um, by the officers that were over them. And so they had a very difficult time in there because they were treated as bad as or worse than slaves. And they were the ones fighting for the, you know, so-called the, the union um, to uh, maintain the union as, as who said that they weren't fighting against slavery, but they were fighting to maintain the union. So uh, many of them had to endure some pretty rough treatment with pretty rough people that they weren't used to. Um, I, had a, I had a question. Okay. Okay, it's right where you uh, right where you were ending up at, and mm -hmm. it is true. Whenever you have groups of people coming together, some people are more soft spoken than others, and sometimes they get run over by the more loud, boisterous people. It happened in the army. It happens in corporations. It happens in churches too. It's just the nature of humans to tend to want to run it in so many words. But as it says here, <clears throat> many officers have brutal passions. And as they are placed in authority, they have good opportunity to act out their brutal natures. And my question is, does that sound like any group of people we know of today? Yeah, that sounds like 45 <coughs> group of people. You know, just because you can do it, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to do it, really. And think about these brutal police officers. 
a lot of police officers, this fits them perfectly. They're just mean, sadistic people. And now they're in a position where they can let their passions fly. You know, um, what do they call them? Uh, I forget the term for it, but basically criminals with badges. Mm -hmm. You know, they have this badge that says, I can brutalize you like I want to, and nobody can do anything about it. Whereas mm -hmm. without the badge, you can't get away with it. Now they're in position right. and have the opportunity to act out their brutal nature. Right. And that's, again, it's another way that God is showing people what they're really made of. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, people swear that it's the other people's fault. And, and if they weren't like this, I wouldn't be this way. But it's you. It's your fault. It's the way you are. And sometimes we, um, people think that they are like good Christians. They believe that they're Christians. But they don't see this big blaring blind spot of racism or hatred or uh -huh. individuals. People just don't see it. But then until they're put into place. I remember over the summer, last summer, <coughs> or maybe it was two summers ago, there was a little girl and she was out selling bottles of water. And of course, the bottles of water was inflated price, you know, like a dollar for the bottle of cheap water. Uh -huh. And this mm -hmm. uh, Caucasian grown woman who is a... Um, a real estate agent or something, she was some type of business person, went past and saw the little girl, eight, nine, 10, and went to asking her, did she have a permit to sell? And, and went on off on her and stuff. And not until the girl's mother showed up, who was watching him with her camera and, and um, she was taping her, stop taping me. And then she's hiding, et cetera, et cetera. And then she says later, that wasn't me. I don't know what happened. That's exactly who you are. And God gave you uh -huh. an opportunity to see exactly what you're made of. She had a chance to walk past that little girl and give her a dollar. She didn't even have to buy the water. If that's who she was, she would have done that. Opportunity mm -hmm. to act out her brutal nature. Mm -hmm. She lost she, her job too. Oh, did she? Uh -huh. huh. Yeah, she lost her job. No one wants to be affiliated with you when you will attack a small child right. who is selling water. She's not doing anything except selling water. Mm -hmm. I just think if it weren't for cell phone cameras, a lot of this would never be known. Right, yep. right, right. And her choice, her choice could have been to walk on by, buy the water or not. You know, walk on by if you had to buy the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you know the lady who was at the park uh, recently. This was this year. And the mm -hmm. man standing there, and uh, she had a dog, and it was in a bird watching spot. Now, you all mm -hmm. know if an African American man is there watching birds, he's probably pretty educated. So you mm -hmm. might want to be alone. But yeah, because I don't know too many black men that watch birds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she went ahead and she and then went to say, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them you're attacking me. And he's filming her. This is just how crazy this stuff is in people. And they can, you can say all you want that, oh, you know, I was just feeling bad. You were being who you are. Well, I'm going to tell you something that I heard uh, when I was watching the commentary um, after Trump spoke. And they said that um, it's not going to be a shoe in for either Trump or Biden. They said because the Trump camp is playing up on the fears of white women that you don't want lawless mobs of people in your neighborhood. And mm -hmm. the, that couple down there in the Central West End, you know, play uh, uh, capitalizing on that and saying, see what happens? Uh, you know, you, you, you got a lawless mob in your neighborhood, so you don't want that. So you want to vote for Trump. 
because mm -hmm. he will he will basically send out the military against the American people, which is what he did. You know, I was uh, I was talking to Lakita about that very thing is because I was listening to a report about this guy works in the Trump administration. I think his name's David Abernathy, but basically he's a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. You know, he's grown up to be a white supremacist. He is a white supremacist. He'll lie to you and say he's not, but all his actions and his words and speeches say he is. And the whole point was that they say it's, it's gonna work better for us if we just cause a bunch of fear in people's minds. So that's why a lot of the ads are simply, oh, without Biden, this will be a criminal state. The ads are always about fear, creating fear, Right. Because they say fear is a better motivator of mm -hmm. people. So it's always the fear of this happening or the fear of that happening. Right. They never have a, a position on what they're going to do. It's right. just you don't want this to happen if you vote right. for the other guy. But, but, but check this out. His presidency is... Go ahead. If 170,000 people dying... Hello, no, 180, over 180,000. 180,000 now dying. It was 170 yesterday. <laughs> dying uh, doesn't cause people fear. I don't know what you, I have no Hello. clue what you're afraid of. You know? Well, they blame it on the Democrats. It's from the Democrats. It's a plot by the Democrats. It's always fear. <laughs> don't vote for them or else. Mm -hmm. not, not vote for me because don't vote for them or else. Well, you always have to have a boogeyman in order for people to stay in power. They have to have somebody that they can vilify. And I always say that the, the left-wing Democrats and the right-wing Republicans, whichever wing you're on, it's all still part of the same bird. And so you think, <laughs> about, you think about the fact we've been trying to get voting rights Mm -hmm. since the 60s and they still have not made it permanent we're still fighting for the same things yep and so we have to come to the conclusion that this earth is never going to be just and until god makes the cricket places straight again you know one thing that always bothered me is how african-americans uh, they had a movement back in the 70s. I'm black and I'm proud, say it loud, you know, and black people embrace that saying, <clears throat> we're the only people that we can be described as, as a color. Black in the Bible, black in the dictionary is always something evil, the black ball, the black sheep, you know, black listed, you go on and on, black is evil. And white people don't mind being called white. Caucasian people don't mind be to be called white because that's the antithesis of black. Now, mm -hmm. if you call a, 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 a Indian, American Indian, the red people, of course, you're going to be, you're going to offend those people. Or the Asians, the yellow people, they're offended. They're trying to sneak in a little bit of the Hispanics, the brown people. You're referring to the black and brown people. But African-Americans are of every hue. And so I just, you know, black people have always been the, 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 the people at the bottom of the, of the totem pole. Mm -hmm. they use, those people have to create that fear, as Lee said, you know, to, to, to create uh, uh, an atmosphere so they can hold on to their power. People will mm -hmm. vote out of fear and hatred. 
and that's what's kept America's go kept America going this direction. It's it's amazing to me how with everything Trump has done over the last three and a half years, how mm -hmm. it could even still be close. How can the race even still be close? So right. that tells you the degradation. Racism. Right. Right, absolutely. I told you it's the second it, civil war. But but you know, Paul, it, it goes to the verse that says that um God will allow people to believe a lie because they receive not a love of the truth. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And God's you know, gonna and, turn us over to a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. It's a shame absolutely. that it says in the lesson, uh now men act like demons instead of human beings. And when they showed the guy uh what was his name Jacob? What was Jacob's last name? That the Blake. police. Showed. Yeah, when Blake. they showed that, I just felt like, wow, how how can you treat people like just not even human? They, you know, we're being treated like we're not even human, which has constantly been, you know, like Paul was saying, we've constantly had to keep fighting the same fights every so often, every year, every decade, every century. We go back to fighting the same things. We're back to fighting to be human beings again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's see. We're pretty much at uh the end of what I wanted to cover in this chapter. Um, but she she talks about as as I was talking about the northern officers and pitting themselves against one another and not helping one another. And she said, many of them possess a selfish jealousy, fearing that others will obtain honors and be exalted above themselves. And she said, oh yeah. And then she ended with that men now act like demons instead of human beings. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's so interesting that she had such a scathing rebuke of the Northern army at that time. But then here we are more than a hundred years after that time. And we're seeing the very same things uh, just maybe even taken up a notch or two. And so, you know, I think that um, this is all insightful for us because, you know, it's basically talking about the lack of unity in the army. And that's why they suffered such great defeats and such losses of life. And that um, we know that, that if the church becomes unified, we will be a strong force for the Lord and also uh, against the powers of darkness because you know satan when we when we call on the lord and, and we we know that 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 when the early christian church called on the lord uh the day of pentecost the holy spirit was poured out on them and so i think that this is a lesson for us in terms of becoming unified during these trying and difficult times that we know are just going to get worse any comments No. No, the question. Okay, go ahead, Tori. I mean, to your, to, to your comment that you just made on condition of the church, mm -hmm. why are we not unified with all the wealth of information? We read, we pray, we worship. God revealed to us. What's the problem? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Why are we not unified? We read, we pray. Why are we not unified? Well, you know what, Tori? 
look at some of the things that the early church did. You know, they fasted, they prayed, um, prayed together. They came together on one accord. And so I think that those kind of things preceded the unity that was formed as a result of it. So I think that you have to look at the, the, the things that they did in order to achieve that unity. And you say, okay, well, we have to copy those things in order to achieve that unity. I think another issue too, and there's a lot of possible reasons, but one of them is that instead of us looking at ourselves to solve the unity problem and say, oh, if I do more of this, we'll be more unified. And if, if we hold hands and sing together, we'll be more unified. We have a lot of issues, a lot of problems in the church. We have a lot of differences of opinions, a lot of conflict going on. But amidst all the trouble, as it says in our lesson, we refuse to turn to God and say, Lord, you know how we are. Please heal us from ourselves. Heal us from our natural human inclinations. Allow your spirit to live in us and allow and give us a willing heart to allow your spirit to take control of our lives. We keep turning to ourselves to solve it. What we need to do, as you were pointing out, Karen, uh, get with the Holy Spirit and ask him to come into all of our hearts. When Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, there will be unity. But it has to start with each person allowing God's spirit to rest, rule, and abide within their hearts and minds. That's exactly right. You know, we are told, consecrated to God, uh, where our agendas and everything is completely thrown out the window as uh, the fiery trials are coming upon the church. As we're in the shaking time, everybody's not going to endure the fiery trials, but God is, is slowly turning up the heat, the refiner's fire, gold being tried in the fire of faith. As we go through these trials every day, these challenges in life, only those that are fully surrendered to God are going to be uh, and keeping their eyes on God. Those people are going to be unified in their pursuit of relinquishing this world and just be totally sold out to God. Right now, there's a, a mixed multitude. So you're going to see a plethora of all types of varying uh, uh, degrees of faith. But only those that have totally uh, relinquished themselves and said, I'm totally in for God, consecrated, dedicated, and devoted to God are going to make it through. And you know, um, the, but the scriptures also talk about what what union hath light with darkness, and we know that wheat and the tear are growing together right now. So, so mm -hmm. there's not going to be union between light and darkness. But we know also that, of course, this is the this is the um, the uh, time of shaking. So, um, you know, we know that those. Oh, no. some, that, that some of those are going to be shaken out and then the ones that are the true true ones are going to be brought in and 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 maybe you know unity will be better affected at that time I think too we have to remember that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in abundance in the last days 
And that's when the people who have a willing heart will be um, imbued with the spirit of unity and love for everyone so that the loud cry can go out in power and strength of God's Holy Spirit. So let's all be praying for the latter rain to come upon us. Amen. And I think, you know, in, this, in this time, I just thought about Jerry Falwell this past. Anybody been following his story at all? Mm -hmm. uh, I saw something about uh, some misconduct. No, yes, Jerry. No, Jerry Falwell. I don't know why he said that. I, I don't really have the whole history of it, but he came out and said, you know, now he's supposed to be like one of the majority right people, you know, the evangelical movement, all this stuff. But anyway, he comes out here, they're on the stage. His wife is there sitting there looking, I don't know what, if she's looking proud of her behavior or whatever. But he tells how, you know, she had an, uh, an affair on him. So she's sitting there looking like the supportive wife and like, yeah, we got it together. We got it going on and stuff. But then the pool boy comes on and said, wait a minute now. It wasn't all that. It wasn't just that. He was in on it. wasn't like it was a secret, you know, we, they were doing some kinky stuff. So then uh, she comes on and said, well, no, no, no. Um, he didn't watch, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, trying to clean up some stuff. But then another boy comes on and says, hey, listen, I was her son's friend and I spent nights at their house because we had band practice out there. And she came in my room and did all this, un, you know, unseemly, ungodly stuff to him in her house with her husband in the other bedroom and stuff. So I'm saying all that because of this. Now we have this behind this Trump person. We have all of these evangelical folk supporting him, you know, just all of them are pushing him and, and they're lingering on every word that he says. And I don't really understand why is it really just that they, you know, don't, they disagree with abortion. What is the draw to them or whatever? Cause it can't be the family standard cause he's been married like three, three times and stuff and still and sleeping around in between all that. But my point is this, what is this? It says there's wickedness in high places. You know, we have some, it's just some wicked stuff going on in high places. And like Tori is saying, we really can't afford to be ununited. We have to pull this thing together and get more united because of the, um, the wicked powers. They seem to be clumping together and hanging out together and holding it in together. But we as Christians, you know, and I'm just speaking about the Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we're going to have to pull this thing together, whether it takes 10 days of fasting together, as you said earlier, Karen, pointing out what the disciples did. And um, I don't know exactly what it takes, but I'm, I'm in agreement. We definitely need to have more, um, more unification because they don't have to have that. You know, they don't have to pray and do stuff because I guess Satan just gives them all that extra energy to and hide stuff for them and everything. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that and how you know, they seem to be fairly unified. You know, they're marching forward in all this foolishness. And no matter what comes out, it's like people still admire these people. You know, you know, like in Sabbath school, I heard them talking about how you have to have a good attitude and you have to do this in order for people to come to Christ. You have to be kind. You have to, and I'm not, I, I don't knock any of that. But these people are following this man and he's lying every day. He's sending out the police on normal, regular calm, peaceful protesters, you know, he's doing all kinds of stuff and people continue to follow them. So that's my, you know, that's, that's just my little skill. Okay, um, any other comments before we close out with prayer? Uh, Lee, what are we studying well, next I'm, week? Oh, I'm sorry, Tori, go ahead. Uh, um, 
I'm just listening to all the answers and all the comments. Um, when we look at the church, you know, God has a expectation. And from what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, uh, what I study, you know, there's two things that stand in the way of us uh, doing greater things, as Jesus said, we could do and will do. I'm not saying that we're not doing great things, but I'm just put the emphasis on even greater because we can do better. Uh, the one thing that I see, uh, one thing that I study, God revealed to me is that the church, um, even though you have your weed and tares, the church is not using the one key ingredient to grow in. And there's those two things that God showed me. The first thing, there's not a genuine, heartfelt love for one another. And that's the same problem that the disciples have. Mm-hmm. See, love is the key. Love is the key ingredient to anything. Because when you we ask everybody what what is love, the first thing going to come to your mind is God is love. Mm-hmm. So if we're supposed to be a type of Christ, you know, that should be the key ingredient for us to mix each uh, anything else that. God wants you at. The next thing is this. I'm just, Lord, help me how to say this. I believe the next thing uh, that the Lord revealed to me is right now we are in the fire. And I think somebody pointed out some things about being purified. That's what the fire, why are we in there? And I believe that's uh, another area that we don't look at in our own personal lives and and the church as a whole, that we're we're in the fire. And God is doing uh, his part to purify us, and we're being purified. I believe that. Uh, So when we look, you know, with our spiritual eyes and understand what the warnings that God has given his church, and, and then he give us the information uh, for us goes the present and the future. And then we start analyzing and evaluating, you know, any issues or conditions of when we look at it overall as a church family. We'll see that um, two things from what I see, you know, uh, the real agape love that we can teach about, but we do not exercise and uh, enough. Let me say that. We don't exercise it enough. And then the next thing is that because of we're in the fire and being purified, um, you know, our strength with each other uh, is not as strong as it should be in our relationships. So the unity uh, is delayed until, you know, we realize that the purification of being in the fire is going to depend on us cooperating with God to get out of that fire to be the very best servant and human beings. 
for the purpose of God and for the purpose of mankind, uh, salvation. And that, that's all uh, that uh, I, I see about it. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm done. That's my comment. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that comment, Tori. Um, I think that those are two very important factors. And uh, I think you're right on point there. Um, any other comments? Uh, okay, Lee, what are we studying next week? Uh, next week, we're last day events, chapter 17, the seven last plagues. Okay. All right. Uh, with that being said, um, let's see. Uh, Tori, you mind closing us out with prayer? Does anyone need some prayers? Oh, okay. Anybody have any prayer requests? Everybody needs prayer. Well, we, right. We're, we're, general, we're, generalized. we're generalized. God knows uh, the need. So let, 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 us, let, us pray. let us pray. Okay. Holy Father, Holy Son, and Holy Spirit, we are grateful for the time we have spent with you thus far. We believe that you have spoken to our, our hearts and opened our eyes. We believe, Lord, that everything that has been said was truly from the heavenly course and from the library of heaven for us to understand and also to implement uh, we are so thankful and grateful to you, God. We can't say that enough. We want to say we just so thankful that you loved us so much to take yourself from your throne and come down to heaven as who we are as a human and show us the right way to live and to and how to overcome evil with good, and how to uh, use the secret weapon that you are made of, which is love, for us to overcome all things and unite as one with thee. So, Lord, we ask that you will look down on everyone that's on this line, Lord. They made a special uh, sacrifice with their time to spend with you and with each other. So with that being said, Lord, we ask that you will give them a desire of their heart that they may testify of your goodness. Many of us really need a touch from your healing power in our bodies. We need a touch, Lord, most definitely uh, in our finances that we can help uh, introduce uh, other people to you, Jesus, all over the world by sending those ministers. It costs money to get uh, the information and uh, things that, that can be beneficial to their salvation. So, Lord, we ask that you pour out those finances on us that we may present back to you for some lost soul. And give us enough of it that we can enjoy even for ourselves as your reward uh, of us being faithful, not because we deserve it, but it's because you just want to show us again how much you love us. So now, Lord, we ask that the words 
of our mouth and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in your heavenly courts. Now allow us to gain strength from all that we have encountered this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, family, we will see you next week. And I pray that each one of you has a good week and a safe week.